0: Empress Podcast, a show for baseball fans by a baseball fan. I'm Stephanie, your host, and in this episode we will talk about the possible sequestered season in Arizona, Cubs Springs highlights, Sabre metric of the day, which is OPS, a player you may not know but you should, and a baseball history discussion and its impacts on the game today. In case you missed it, Major League Baseball has been discussing A season played completely in Arizona at the spring training facilities without fans. Okay, so, hmm, I have some questions. What will baseball be like without the fans? And uh, will those teams in Arizona have an advantage over the Florida spring training teams? Will they stagger games to allow fans to watch more games at home on TV? How will TV coverage work? Will each team's broadcast team be allowed to cover each game? And still will we have weekly national games covered as usual? And exactly how does the sequestering work? Is it team staff, ballpark staff, hotel staff, TV staff in addition to all the players? Or are some folks just gonna wear masks and be kept at social distance? Like, I don't get that. Will players be allowed to see their families at all? And in a shortened season, will we view the World Series champion differently? Will they have an asterisk beside their name? But overall, I do think this is a big marketing win for Major League Baseball when the entire world is starved for sports, live sports, even if it's just on TV. We're stuck at home in this country especially and won't be able to gather in large crowds for the foreseeable future. So Major League Baseball will, will have everyone's attention. For that, I love the idea because I love baseball. I love the sport, and I feel like this is a great opportunity for them to get more attention from more sports fans. And maybe, just maybe, it'll make it feel like summer. Let's talk about every Cardinals fan's favorite subject, the Cubs. In spring, uh, the Cubs were trying to determine who was going to play a second base every day. Options included Jason Kipnis, a veteran that the Cubs acquired following his nine seasons with the Indians, David Bodie, who also potentially could back up Bryant at third base and provided some really key at bats last year for the Cubs. Kind of sounds like he will need uh, to be more consistent offensively to be an everyday starter for the Cubs. But there's also the option of the prospect of Nico Horner. Many Cubs fans seem excited for this option. However, he may be on the team as a backup for Baez at shortstop. Over the past few years, there's been considerable talk and attention on Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and even Kyle Schwarber for the Cubs. All for good reasons. But my favorite player to watch on the Cubs is hands down Javier Baez. I love the flair that he plays with. I always make sure I catch his offensive and especially his defensive highlights. The play in the World Baseball Classic between Baez and Yachty as they both played for Puerto Rico Uh, You know the play I'm talking about, the no-look tag on a caught, steal, and throw from Yachty that Baez made. It's still one of my favorite defensive plays of all time, just for the style and excitement level of the players involved and the importance of the play at that time in that game. Amazing. I just think it's an example of how baseball can be so much fun and jump off your couch exciting. Bios will continue, in my opinion, to improve and is by far the most important player to the Cubs season and also their most exciting player to watch. Also in the offseason, the Cubs said goodbye to manager Joe Madden, who helped the Cubs get their first world championship title since 1908. And they said hello to new manager David Ross. David Ross had a long career in baseball as a catcher, including time with the Cubs. Players seem excited to have David Ross back in their clubhouse, specifically for his intensity and positivity. And sometimes a change is needed just because it's time for a change. New motivation, maybe the same scenery or tactics that once worked no longer work or simply just become stale. So speaking of needing a change, sometimes players need a change of scenery or a different situation to thrive. And one of the best recent examples is that of Christian Yellich. He played the first four years of his career with the Marlins, and when they dismantled that team, he was determined to be traded to a team where he could have the opportunity to win. The Brewers were lucky enough to be in a position to acquire him for the 2018 season, And all he did that year was win the National League MVP. I really wish that the Cardinals would have been in a position to acquire him. And in 2019, he won the Silver Slugger Award and was an all-star for the Brewers. He was ready to break out. He just needed the right situation. But if you watched the 2017 World Baseball Classic, you knew that was coming. He was having fun, he was playing baseball, and playing it well, and winning. He just needed that right environment. Our saber metric of the day today is OPS, on-base plus slugging. But in order to understand OPS, we must first understand on-base and slugging percentage. On-base percentage, also known as OBP, measures the most important accomplishment for a batter at the plate to not make an out. Players with a high on-base percentage give their teams more opportunities to score. Hits, walks, and a hit by pitch all count towards the on-base percentage. Batting average alone ignores walks and hit by pitches. On-base percentage reads like a batting average, but they're generally about 60 points higher because it includes the walks and the hit by pitches. Therefore, an on-base percentage of 340 is above average and 390 is excellent. OBP is more accurate than batting average because it measures a player's offensive value. A player who has a batting average of 300 but doesn't walk is not as helpful to a team as a player who has a batting average of 280 but has an on-base percentage of 360. Slugging percentage, often read as SLG, Measures the batting productivity while giving more weight than batting average to extra base hits relative to singles. It doesn't include walks or hit by pitches. 450 is a good slugging percentage and 550 is outstanding. And that brings us back to OPS, on base plus slugging. On base plus slugging is just the sum of the on base percentage and the slugging percentage. It's considered better than the batted average or RBIs alone because it better captures a player's ability to get on base and hit for extra bases, which is basically what all hitters are trying to do. It's used to determine how a hitter did over a period of time. Currently, the league average for OPS is about 710, with the best hitters around 1,000. The key with many of these stats is, of course, to not use them in isolation, but in conjunction with other stats and information to measure a player's true value. Keep in mind, there are always, of course, valuable traits that cannot be captured in stats, such as leadership. A player you may not know, but you should. This episode, that player is Michael Brantley, the Houston Astros left-handed left fielder. His nickname, Dr. Smooth, for his stillness at the plate and his smooth swing. He's a four-time All-Star, played 11 Major League seasons. He has a great throwing arm from the outfield, 59 career outfield assists. He's made only 15 errors in his entire career as a major leaguer and has a 9.93 fielding percentage, which is remarkably high. He has a .354 career on-base percentage, 6 seasons with a batting average of 2.99 or better and yes I said 6 seasons his career OPS is 792 and in 2019 his OPS was 875 his WAR in his career is 28.7 with a 4.8 WAR in 2019 And don't worry, he wasn't part of the Astros cheating scandal as he spent his entire career with the Cleveland Indians and joined the Astros in 2019. The spirit of competition, the strong desire to be better than others, the drive to be the best, the undisputed champion, to push the boundaries of their own limits every single day. This is what we believe all pro athletes possess along with their talents and extraordinary hard work, it's why we admire them, root for them, believe in them, why we cry tears of pain when our teams fall short and tears of joy when they win championships. This ultimate goal to be a champion is why we occasionally hear about teams and players breaking rules to gain an advantage, performance-enhancing drugs, hacking other team player databases, Illegally signing international players, sign stealing. But what about those instances when the opposite happens? What happens when players put all of that aside to lose on purpose? Why in tarnation would a major league baseball player give up a chance to win a World Series by losing on purpose? Well, That's exactly what eight players of the 1919 Chicago White Sox were accused of in the World Series that year. Yes, eight players. They're often referred to as the Black Sox. They were accused of throwing the World Series against the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for money from a gambling syndicate. This story has been heavily debated over the decades regarding what actually happened. Most stories claim that the players agreed to throw the series. And proceeded to do so, but grew restless when they weren't receiving their payments throughout the series and decided to call it off after being down in the best of nine series, four to one. They won the next two games. However, after that, they were allegedly threatened and decided to proceed with throwing the World Series and lost the next game, giving the Reds their first World Championship. There are so many twists and turns to this story that it may remind you of Joe Exotic. This incident is sometimes referred to as the big fix. And in 1920, it was made public and the players were actually prosecuted in court. Despite a not guilty verdict, all eight players received a lifetime ban from baseball, including Shoeless Joe Jackson, one of the best hitters in baseball. Many of the players denied their involvement until their deaths. So I ask, is losing on purpose a worse transgression than cheating to win as the Astros did in at least the 2017 World Series? It doesn't seem to make sense that the Black Sox received a lifetime ban for losing, but the Astros players received no punishment at all for successfully cheating to win. One thing I know is that perception is reality. Don't put yourself in a situation where folks can perceive that you are being dishonest if you're not. And if you, for some reason, can't stop others from being dishonest, get as far away as you can from those that are breaking the rules so you do not get caught up in it. We may never know the level of involvement of all eight players in the 1919 White Sox. We may never know for sure the level of involvement of all the players on the Astros teams. But I do know if I were blessed enough to be a professional athlete with a world championship, I wouldn't want that to be tainted with the stench of also being a cheater. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Baseball Empress podcast. You can follow the show on Instagram at the Baseball Empress underscore podcast and remember this ain't your grandma's baseball podcast and it sure as hell ain't your grandpa's.